Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Roberts, and as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Roberts. And here on the elusive edition of the Thursday Night Barnyard, I want to give you guys a little bit of an explanation on Wednesday. So, you know, the plan was, of course, to record in Biloxi. However, we stayed at the Golden Nugget. It was a great experience, don't get me wrong. However, the upload speeds at the Golden Nugget were terrible, absolutely terrible. And so, you know, of course, we do post-game video, right, when we go cover ball games, It's what we do. You know, we, we don't just talk about Mississippi State. We actually cover Mississippi State. So we're on the road, and it took about an hour to upload a four-minute video of Chris Lamonis. And so when I got ready to work on the show, I'm thinking, you know, a 90-minute show, how long does it going to take? And uh, because the upload speeds were so bad, I tried to use my hotspot, and uh, it just what didn't work out. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to record tonight, which will in turn give you a Friday show. I'll be back Saturday morning, and we'll discuss the ball game at Kentucky, and we'll discuss the women's ball game against Creighton. So we'll have plenty to talk about. So three shows this week, even though we've got an, a, uh, an abridged schedule, shall we say. But uh, great time down in Biloxi. want to thank everybody at MGM Park and everybody that made that event uh, so wonderful to cover it. Uh, you really couldn't ask for much more, you know, to be quite honest with you. And, uh, you know, we've had the privilege of covering uh, Mississippi State in three minor league ballparks uh, this year. And that's a cool experience. And to all of you Bulldogs, it turned out on Tuesday and Wednesday and created such an incredible environment. Tip of the cap to each of you. It was kind of a late arriving crowd on Wednesday, but uh, I don't know if we sold it out Tuesday. I never heard officially, but I can't imagine there was anywhere else to sit or stand. And uh, so many of you turned out were a part of that. And uh, I'll tell you this too. You know, I was once that kid that couldn't get to Starkville very often. I was that kid, you know, unless the Bulldogs came and played Southern Miss at Pete Taylor Park, or if they played at Smith Wills, that was about the only chance I had to see my heroes in person. And so I get it. And one of the things that I kind of want to point out to people too is we're the only ones doing this. You know, we could just as easily play these games in Starkville. We could just line up at Duty Noble Field and play a game. But, you know, it's spring break. Not a lot of students in town, obviously. So we're on the road at Biloxi. And uh, it was good. It was good baseball, good crowds, great environment. It was a good job by the folks at MGM Park. And Chris Simonis confirms in postgame on Wednesday night, we're back down there next year. Probably, I would suspect, probably the same week we play LSU. Go down there, go to Biloxi, and then scoot on over to Baton Rouge. I would suspect that's the case. I don't know if we uh, probably should do five games the opening week of SEC play. As much as you guys want to see the Bulldogs play in person down on the coast, uh, that said, it does put a lot of stress on your pitching staff, but we answered the bell. We did. Would have preferred not to use Nate Dome in a Wednesday game, but we did. But uh, he'll be good to go. I think he just started some pitches uh, on uh, Wednesday. So, you know, he should be good to go for the weekend. But all that said, you know, we're going to talk today. We have a lot to talk about, for sure. A lot. You know, no football practice this week. We're still on spring break. We'll get back into football mode next week. So we'll have some football-related content here on the show for you. But uh, a lot has happened since we were together last, so we're going to recap all that tonight. And, of course, most of you will be listening to the show on Friday. Hope it's a payday for you. We will be on the road to Kentucky because, again, that's what we do. We get out and go. 
And so the wife and I will leave early Friday morning, which is the reason I'm recording the show, and I can't record a Friday show tomorrow. Plus, I thought, you know what, let's let some ball games be played on Friday. We'll come back Saturday morning from Lexington and uh, kind of recap uh, the date it was on Friday. So three shows, but uh, already picking out some road tunes. It's about a seven-and-a-half-hour drive. That's the, the, the last long real road trip of the season. Of course, we do go to Knoxville. Uh, my wife will be working up there at that point, too, so we'll be both be going back and forth. So that weekend, I'll be up there, got somewhere to stay. And after driving to Albuquerque, New Mexico so many times, uh, I could drive from Starkville to Knoxville, back to Starkville, and then back to Knoxville in around the same amount of time it took me to get to Albuquerque. So that will feel like a drive to Jackson compared to what I've been putting up with. But uh, nevertheless, your good friend and host is in a great place, loving life, uh, feeling great about where we are with everything. Bulldogs have won seven in a row, and uh, fortunately, every game that my wife has been home, she has attended, and I've uh, been shooting pictures. So the great pictures that you're seeing, and they're getting better each and every game, the great pictures you're seeing over on Gene's page, uh, shot by the missus. So very happy to have her as part of the team, and she made a men- she made mention this morning. She goes, you know, at some point, you're going to have to put me on the payroll, and I thought she already was, right? You know, I married her back in May of 93, and uh, so if we make it to uh, May of 2023, and uh, there's no reason to suggest we won't, that's 30 years of being together. So I, I submit to you that she's been on the payroll for 30-plus years already. I didn't know we needed to fill out a 1099 for her or anything. But, uh, but all that said, I've enjoyed having her around and enjoyed having her going to ball games. And I can promise you uh, there are a lot of people that love baseball as much as she does, but I don't know if anybody loves college baseball more than she does. She loves going and uh, traded some text messages earlier today with our friend Nick Mangione. Looking forward to getting up to Lexington. Every time that I've done sports in Lexington, it's been football. I've never had a chance to do baseball. So this is one more on the on the SEC baseball bingo card for me. That leaves only Missouri. Could have got Missouri last year. We were playing so poorly. I just couldn't justify the expenditure. Right? You know what I'm saying? It's like, we, it's like you know, I wanted to go. It was tough not to go. I said, you know what? I don't know when we're going to get back to Missouri. But uh, I have covered college baseball in 12 SEC stadiums and will knock out uh, 13 uh, this weekend. Now, there is rain in the forecast on Friday in Lexington. We do expect that to kind of clear out in the early afternoon hours. Uh, we initially had planned to camp in Lexington because we do like camping, we like building a fire, just kind of hanging out. But the overnight low on Saturday nights, 19 degrees. Not going to do it. I'm from South Mississippi. I'm as tough as they come, but I'm not going to put my bride through that. So we booked a room. And so uh, eager to get up there and kind of enjoy that. And, and really, that's the thing about baseball travel that's so great. You know, football, you drive up, you cover the game, you come back. You know, you drive up the night before you cover the game, you come back. I mean, it's a really quick turnaround. But with baseball, you got two nights. So we'll get out on Saturday and kind of enjoy the city a little bit. I already got reservations for Saturday night. Looking forward to that. Nice dinner uh, there in Lexington. The recommendation, recommendation from uh, John and Nell Cohen. And so looking forward to, uh, to seeing if they know what they're talking about. I, I submit they do. But uh, looking forward uh, to getting to Lexington. I feel good about the series. We're going to have to play well. It's going to be a different level of intensity. I like State to win the series, two games out of three. So we'll see how things go. Hey, I just got back from Bulldog Burger Company, too. Uh, we went and had dinner there tonight so I could see my kid for a little while before I get back on the road. I had the Sloppy Joe sliders with the mac and, and pork belly. The wife had the Good Morning Burger with onion rings. We both had Diet Cokes. No adult beverages. 
No desserts this time. I'm a big proponent of dessert to go, but I thought, you know what, I got to get to bed early tonight. I don't know that I need a big sugar rush right before bedtime. You need to go buy and check Bulldog Burger Company out, too. And let me remind you, too, next week, next week, big news, right? We talk about these tap takeovers. So we've got some confirmation, a little more information for you about next Wednesday. That's the 22nd. It's a six nights from tonight. From 5 to 8, we're having the uh, Tupelo Bulldog Burger Tap Takeover. And so Andy from, uh, you know, the, uh, the Memphis Brewing Company there, uh, going to be there and has confirmed now that uh, should be able to get all the beers requested. That's five offerings on five rotating Clark handles. That's the Platt Attack, Memphis's Truck, Going Dockside, Prince Mango, and Goner Brow. Be sure and check that out. And uh, doing some more of these events a little more regularly. And so go by and check it out. You want something a little bit different. Some of you are kind of, uh, you know, Pilsner hipsters. You know, some of you guys like uh, these independent brewers. So get out and support Bulldog Burger Company as they try to do something kind of cool, right? That's uh, in Tupelo at the Bulldog Burger location there on Gloucester Street. One of three great locations to serve you. Of course, University Drive here in Start Vegas. Gloucester Street and Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive, and Origin Flowwood area. Had a tap takeover in that, that location here a couple weeks ago. It was gangbusters. This one will be to make plans to attend again. It's 5 to 8. 5 to 8, Wednesday, March 22nd. Uh, be sure and go check it out. And let me know how it goes. Hit me up. Let me know. I, I don't drink beer, but I'm living vicariously through all of you. You know, I've got uh, 31 years quaint and sober, and uh, it, it seems like every time that um, I put back a new year, they come up with some new beer. So uh, not going to partake in that, but uh, I, don't, I don't begrudge any of you that do. So be sure and go by and check that out. You'll be glad you did. I think you're going to be uh, pleasantly surprised at these uh, Bulldog Burger Tap Takeovers. That's, uh, again, Wednesday the 22nd at the Tupelo location. Be sure and have a great restaurant-quality hamburger while you're there. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. Our top story tonight, the Mississippi State women's basketball team prolongs their season with a 70-56 win over Illinois. Knew this would be a bit of a barn burner of a game, and really the difference is that the big third quarter for State, a 21-8 third quarter. I mean, you look up, it's a one-point game at the break, and then State makes some halftime adjustments. That's what great teams do, and that's coaching. It is. And it's a 13-point-plus advantage for the Bulldogs. Fourth quarter ends up being an 18-18 all deal. But the game essentially decided there in the third quarter. What can you say about Jessica Carter? Big game for her. We knew it had to be. We knew that Illinois had a great post player. We knew that Jessica Carter had to go out and play to her, her, her ability. 22 points, nine rebounds, four blocks, stay out of foul trouble, knocked down a couple free throws, but 10 of 17 from the floor. That dog will hunt. Uh, Jaquela Jordan, 11 points for her, pulled down seven boards. The same stat line for Anastasia Hayes. DeBrescia Poe, six points for her, five rebounds. Alana Smith, also five rebounds. Uh, did not score, but just 0-3 from the floor. Uh, Courtney Weber steps up. Nice game for her. Three of six from the floor, an eight-point uh, ninth for her. And Romani Parker, the former Louisville transfer, still doing a great job kind of in relief of Jessica Carter. Jessica didn't need a lot there, but um, yeah, a great game. State just 4 of 14 from beyond the arc there, but 16 and 21 from the free throw line. You know, really the difference in this ball game is points in the paint. 
State 36, Illinois 22. You know, when you've got kind of the battle of the post players, you've got to win that five-on-five battle, and State does. Uh, points off turnover, State a minus-two differential here, Illinois with 16, State with 14. Uh, the bench was good for State, 20 bench points and just six for Illinois. And on the break, State with 16 and 10 second-chance points, uh, nine second-chance points for Illinois and four on the break. The lead was uh, exchanged six times and tied six. But by and large, in the second half, there was little doubt about who was going to win this ball game. That was going to be your Mississippi State Bulldogs. So they win the play-in game. They're now officially the 11 seed. And so they're going to take on Creighton. That's going to be a 5 p.m. tip from South Bend, Indiana. That's going to air on ESPN News. Many of you will be asking on Friday, hey, Steve, where's the game? It's ESPN News. That's where it's going to be. That's Friday, 5 p.m. tip from South Bend, Indiana. And again, the Creighton. Blue Jays from Omaha, Nebraska, going to be your opponent. Let's take a quick look at the Blue Jays. 22-8 and eight overall, 15-5 and five in our conference. They did lose in their uh, conference tournament. 9-4 and four at home and 12-3 and three on true road games, 1-1 one one on a neutral floor. So these ladies will not be intimidated by playing outside of their home arena. That's uh, Dwayne and Eileen Ryan. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And Athletic Center and DJ Sokol Arena. That's a mouthful right there if there ever has been. But, uh, you know, look at the schedule here. You know, they beat South Dakota State. That's a team that's given us some trouble in the past. They beat South Dakota. They beat Nebraska. They beat Northern Iowa. They went at Omaha, as they should. They went at Xavier. They beat number 25 Villanova at Villanova. And they absolutely drilled them. Beat them by 21 points. They lose at St. John's. They beat Drake. They lose to Arkansas, 83-75, so there's an opponent in common there. They didn't go on the road to Stanford and get beat 72-59. They take on UConn, 72-47 losers there. I mean, again, that's the Big East. But, you know, what can you say? I mean, this is a team that has played some quality opponents. They went at DePaul, lose Providence. That's a home game. They beat Marquette, beat Seton Hall, went at Butler, lose at Villanova. Of course, that's a Big East game. Went at Providence again, beat Georgetown. DePaul, again, to sweep the series. St. John's, they had the halftime Frisbee Dogs, that ball game too, in case you're curious. If you're trying to keep up with the, uh, you know, the roundabouts of the Frisbee Dogs, they were uh, in Omaha, Nebraska, back on February 4th. They took care of Seton Hall and Xavier. Then they lose to UConn in the regular season finale. They get to the, uh, the pink out game against Georgetown. They win that one going away, 75-34. Win at Marquette, and they beat Butler to sweep the season series, and then they get into the Big East tournament 
They get by Seton Hall in overtime, and it clearly took a lot out of them. But they win 75-74 and then lose in the next round to Villanova. Number two seed Villanova by two. And so they didn't face UConn in the uh, Big East tournament, but uh, they will take on the Bulldogs. Now, the winner of this game will play the winner of Notre Dame and Southern Utah. Now, you may have seen earlier today uh, some news out of uh, South Bend. Pretty big news in some respect, too. You start thinking, you know, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourselves, but you start thinking, you know, hey, if we can get through this one, what what is around the corner? Well, Olivia Miles going to miss the NCAA tournament game. Olivia Miles, an All-American guard from Notre Dame. That is a significant injury. Absolutely significant injury. And they've had some injuries uh, with the backcourt this year, but that's, that's a huge one. Anytime you lose an All-American, especially in women's basketball, it matters. It probably matters in women's basketball more than anywhere else because you know, there's a lot of difference between the haves and the have-nots. And when you lose your best player... That's a big deal. Now, State's got to take care of Creighton first. And so let's take a quick look inside the numbers here uh, with Creighton to kind of familiarize yourselves a little bit with the Lady Blue Jays. And again, this is a team that's battle-tested. This is a team that's played some quality opponents. They haven't just hidden, you know, one of these mid-major conferences and put together a big record. And you look back and say, hey, look, we won 30 games. We deserve this. I mean, no, that's not the case. But uh, look at numbers here. We can find them. The, the, the box scores here are kind of antiquated, but uh, let's see here. Lauren Jensen, the leading scorer for Lady Blue Jays, 15.9 points per game. Where's number 15? That's an important number to us. Um, Morgan Miley, also 15 points a game. Emma Ronziak, 13 points a game. And outside of that, it's kind of by committee. But uh, you know, listen, they get contributions from the bench. There are a lot of players that are averaging around a half dozen points a ball game uh, for this team. And so it's not going to be as simple as, okay, you shut this one player down. We're going to have to go out there and play a team game. Now, th- what's interesting, too, looking at the splits here, first quarters have been pretty even. Second quarters, that's really been where they have put some teams away. So second quarters have been – that period where they've been able to get some separation in the game. They outscored people in the third and fourth quarter too, but not by the same margin. Nearly 100, excuse me, more than 100. 106 points more than their opponents in the second period. And there's 80 in the third and then around 40 in the fourth. Uh, but yeah, they're doing a good job scoring, but that, that, that's a number that stands out there. Second quarter scoring and then second quarter defense. They have allowed the fewest points of the year in the second period. So you start thinking about that in hindsight. That tell Again, it tells me they're, they're well coached, right? They're kind of seeing what you're doing, picking up your offensive sets, how you're defending them. They adjust in that second period, get some separation, and you're able to adjust some at halftime. But by that time, they've had a lead. That's important to understand for sure. Look at that and make sure that, hey, if State can be in this ballgame at the half, you got a chance. Not quite as strong in the fourth quarter, but I think they've been cruising a little bit there in the fourth quarter, too. All right, rebounding has been a bit of a strength for them. 35.3 rebounds a game, allowing 33, so just right at a plus-two differential there. But, uh, you know, they don't have what you would call a dominant rebounder. They kind of do it by committee. Uh, Morgan Malley leads the team with 6.2 boards per game. 
but it is very much a team statistic. Everybody's pitching in four or five boards a game among the regulars. So that's going to be something that's important to watch, too. And Lauren Jensen, we talk about her being the leading scorer. She is far and away, far and away, the player they count on the most, averaging 33.9 minutes per game. She has played 1,016 minutes. Nobody else has even hit 900. So she's going to be on the floor a lot. It says a lot about her, her cardiovascular fitness. It also says a lot about her value to the team. Very good free throw shooting team, especially among the regulars. Their leading scorers are all 80% plus free throw shooters. That's something to kind of watch too. Games like this matter. They absolutely matter. It's because of the fact everything is magnified in an NCAA tournament game. Now, I think it helps us too, the fact that we've already played up there. We've already got a game under our belts. Maybe we've had a chance to kind of relax a little bit. Maybe you look at it and say, okay, We've kind of got the first game jitters behind us. And I think Sam Purcell and his staff did a great job preparing the ladies for this ballgame. We were ready to go, no doubt about it. Now, when I look at this roster, the thing that jumps out about it, I mean, everybody's program height and weight's different. Uh, yeah, but they don't have a player listed above 6'1". Not one. Uh, Morgan Malley is 6'1". Emma, Emma, Emma Ronziak also 6'1". Lauren Jensen, uh, a 5'10 guard, for sure. But uh, they, they just, you know, they don't run a true five. They run, you know, basically a three-guard offense. And uh, so you got to get out there and play. And rebounding has got to be something that State dominates. You've got to be able to utilize Jessica Carter's strength. And you know as well as I do, they're no dummies, right? They're going to go at Jessica Carter. Jessica, obviously... Uh, you know, with a height advantage here at 6'5", and then Ramondi Parker also at 6'4". And so, you know, I don't know if you're going to run any twin tower concept type stuff, but State should have a size advantage on the interior. You've got to be able to exploit that. And that means Jessica Carter's got to have a big game. It's a mismatch down low. Now, they'll do a good job out there on the perimeter kind of denying the endless pass, the entry pass, but we're going to have to get out there and play well. But uh, congratulations to Sam Purcell and the ladies as the dream continues. Don't know how long it lasts, but uh, I know this. We are very, very happy to have had both of our teams in NCAA tournament. And the fact that the ride still continues for at least one of them. Uh, Our fans are kind of getting behind it. I know, again, it's like we've been so long, so we've been in a tournament. It's been since 19 because we didn't play a tournament in 2020. You remember we were going to host again that first weekend, and then they canceled the tournament. And so we haven't had a chance to cheer, you know, for our ladies in NCAA tournament play since, since 19. And now here we are. And so we're back. Again, not sure how long we stay, but this season has been a success. I don't think there's any question about that. And I think that uh, the measure of the success of this team is still to be determined. But I like us to win the game. And then we owe Notre Dame. We do. We absolutely do. And without them having Olivia Miles, it could be something that's very significant. But right now, we got to focus on beating Creighton, who is a quality team that wants to shoot from the perimeter. We're going to have to defend the perimeter well, force some merit shots, and then pull down the rebound and get out in transition. I do like the Bulldogs to win the game. I am not a betting man when it comes to sports, even though I've been known to go into some casinos and, and uh, take some of their blackjack money. I don't bet on sports. And uh, one of the reasons why things are so unpredictable, especially this time of year. 
But uh, excited for this to take place. Of course, we'll be uh, covering a baseball game and kind of keeping another eye on the women's game. So we're going to need you guys to kind of pull us through. And again, that's going to be broadcast on ESPN News. ESPN News, be sure and spread the word because the Mississippi State Facebook groups will be rife with questions about where can I watch a game. ESPN News, and certainly it'll be on your app. Our time for today's top 10 list is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is a mortgage professional. It doesn't matter where you live. Doesn't matter where you're from. Doesn't matter your background. Doesn't matter how many times you've been turned down in the past. If anybody can get you approved, it's Blair Chandler. And here's the deal. Many of you have like, you know, Steve, hey, there's this, there's that. There's a million excuses why maybe you haven't had the opportunity to purchase a home. Maybe now's the time. Because right now, banks are willing to lend. You know, rates are up a little bit. And so sometimes banks are a little bit hungry to do business. Deal with a guy like Blair Chandler that can get you the best rate available, but also to be your advocate with underwriting. Blair's phone number, his personal phone number, 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. Be sure and call and text him and say, Blair, here's the deal with us. Here is the deal with us. We've got some issues. Maybe you're a non-conforming borrower with an atypical property. You need a guy that's been there and done it. 21 years in the industry, a true mortgage professional, Top 1% close ratio in the country back-to-back years. That doesn't happen by accident. Blair's a guy that gets things done. You need to get a closer. Don't just go get somebody to take your 1003 residential housing application. You need somebody that can navigate you through this process and bring you to the closing table. That's why it's important to close with Blair. Again, that's closewithblair.com. Okay, so I was in uh, Brandon or, yeah, Richland, whatever it was. Richland, out on the res at Shuckers to see my friends, uh, Mike and Steve and Brent from Lillian Axe and their side project Sledgehammer saw a lot of our old Bonnie Blair group uh, out there. MK, of course, Jeff Murrah, my friends, uh, Melissa, they're great, man. And it's so great. Anytime I know there's a good show, I know they're going to be there. And so it's like you can get there, you can hang out and have a good time. And uh, I enjoy going. I do. I, I enjoy going to shows. I haven't been to as many lately. But I do enjoy getting out and enjoying live music. I do. Matter of fact, I already looked to see if there's anybody of, of note playing in Lexington this weekend. Is there anybody that I wanted to go see in Lexington, Kentucky this weekend? I'm always looking for a chance to go somewhere, new venue, a cool show, whatever. Uh, so while I worked the Sledgehammer uh, show, this guy comes up and uh, wants, to get, wants to get a picture. We talk for a few minutes. And uh, I believe his name is Tracy, so if it's not, please forgive me. Uh, but he dated a high school classmate of mine for a while. We had a chance to catch up, talk about her some. And uh, he goes, hey, listen, I got a friend of mine, and he used to be in Black Label Society. Have you ever done Black Label Society? I didn't think we had. I checked with Roy. We had not, so we're going to knock that out today. And it's a shame. It's a shame we haven't done Black Label Society. So many people are wondering where you can find true hard rock these days. Look no further than Black Label Society. Now, I'll tell you this. This was a difficult list to put together. I'm a fan and so it's like, hey, do we do a top 20? We could, but we're going to do a top 10. And it was very difficult to narrow this down to 10. Now, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of grace on this list because the thing about Black Label Society is, number one, they don't get a lot of major airplay. They don't. They've kind of built a bit of a cult following. 
people that are really into guitar, really into the Ozzy catalog. And people forget Zach Wilde was basically a glam guitarist when he first hit the scene. You can find those early videos, like when Ozzy introduced him on Headbangers Ball and he had the big bangs and everything. You look at him now and he's, you know, he's a biker. Long beard, long hair. The vest, got his cut on, his motorcycle cut. But nevertheless, Zach and Black Label Society rock. It started out as just a solo project and it became a real band. What is it, 11 albums now? It's ridiculous, man. And these guys have a huge following. When Black Label comes to your town, try to get a ticket and see. If you can get a ticket, you'll be glad you did. Go to the show and you're going to be blown away. Because there's going to be a bunch of songs you don't know. But they all rock so hard, you don't even care. Then you're going to go back and get in the car and say, what was that one? I'm going to pull that one up and put it on my playlist. Black Label Society rocks. All right, here's your top ten. Number ten is The Blessed Hell Ride. Love the intro to this. Like how it builds. And, uh, you know, Zach's not a great vocalist. Let's just be honest about that. But, man, the guy does a really good job kind of knowing his range, knowing his pitch and what songs work for him. And this is one of his better vocal performances. I mean, he's not Ozzy. He's not Sebastian Bach. He's just Zach Wilde up there, you know, shredding on the guitar and knocking down some vokes for you. All right, number nine, another just absolutely headbanging song. I mean, and listen, don't get me wrong. This is not thrash. This is good straight-ahead rock and roll. It's a great song called Destroy and Conquer. Destroy and Conquer. And, and again, there's a lot of attitude with this one. It's a very aggressive song, as you would imagine. Number eight, the shortest song on our, on our list today is Room of Nightmares. And this is another one. It's, it's kind of unlike anything else in the catalog, not just because of the duration, but the, you know, the tone of the song is a little bit different. But it's kind of written in that same kind of Aussie vein, Room of Nightmares. Number seven, Suicide Messiah. Some of you would have this one a little bit higher, and, and I'm okay with that, okay? I am. Obviously, I don't have it higher, but if you did, I wouldn't object. I wouldn't say you don't know what you're talking about. It's a great song. There are some people that would suggest this is the best Black Label Society song. I don't subscribe to that, but there are a lot of people that do. Number six, off the most recent album, it's a great song called Set You Free. That was the first single off the latest album that uh, came out, I guess, uh, three or four years ago now. Maybe, I guess maybe 2021, maybe. Uh, but Set You Free, a great track. Uh, lyrical content is, is kind of relevant. Like At some point, all of us have been there, done that. Number five, Fire It Up, man. This is one of those songs, too, a good driving song. You put it on, you're like, wait a minute here. Where has this been? Yeah, Fire It Up is good. Number four, and that's the great thing about the Black Label Society. It's not all just highway tunes, right? Some of this is a little more melodic. Some of it has a little more instrumentation. Some of it is kind of uh, on the verge of being a ballad. And this is one of those, Angel of Mercy. It was a big hit for Black Label Society. Uh, I think it really kind of shows, you know, maybe the diversity in the Black Label Society catalog. I really dig the track a lot, as you can tell, but it's number four for me. For some of you, it might even be as high as number one. But I think there are some songs a little bit better, including number three, My Dying Time, which I think is an underappreciated song in the Black Label Society catalog. I know many of you feel like I do about this song. This one absolutely rips. The lyrics are great. The vocal's great. The guitar is just amazing. The percussion is great. It's one of the more complete songs in the catalog, and it's my dying time. Number two, a song written about uh, Don Bagdaro from Pantera. 
And I don't know how you guys feel about, you know, this new version of Pantera being on the road. It was supposed to be two members. Now with Rex Brown, I don't know if Rex is back. You know, Rex got sick. I think he's back. But, uh, you know, of course, uh, Vinny and, and, uh, and Daryl Abbott no longer with us. But, uh, you know, Phil Anselmo and Rex out there with uh, Charlie Bonanti from Anthrax. And, of course, Zach Wilde from Black Label Society. Out there playing these great songs again and uh, selling out arenas over the world. And a lot of people, you know, love this music and this, hey, this is the next best thing. You know, there was a lot of talk that Phil Anselmo and the Abbott brothers would never reconcile. A lot of it's because of how Phil acted after Dimebag Daryl died. Uh, they would not allow Phil to attend the funeral. It wasn't a good situation. And so supposedly Phil had contacted Vinny about, hey, let's do, let's kind of get back together. Let's do a tribute show or tribute tour for, for Dime. And uh, Vinny just wasn't okay with it. And so now he's passed on and um, sit her back on the road with the permission of the Abbott family. That's important to understand. This isn't some unauthorized tour. But it is also kind of bringing the magic and music of Pantera to a new generation. A lot of people are out there with their parents going to these shows. And I think that's a wonderful thing. But the song In This River is written about Dimebag Daryl. And uh, he and Zach were basically best friends. But number one for me, you may disagree, and that's cool. But it's really the song that kind of exploded for me. That made, made me realize that Black Label Society was kind of an entity unto itself. That it wasn't just something Zach Wilde did while Ozzy Osbourne was on hiatus. This, and to me, this is when... Black Label Society really became established as a force in rock music. And it's the great song, Stillborn, that Ozzy actually sings on a little bit. So be sure and check it out. There you go. Again, Tracy, I hope that's your name. I apologize if I got it wrong. Um, it was a busy day, right? Um, thanks for the suggestion. And uh, so happy we could deliver so quickly. We did plan to do it on Monday, but uh, Roy had an idea. Let's do the dancing track. We don't know how, we didn't know how long we were going to last in the big dance. Uh, so we did it, and we knocked it out, and we're glad to do it. Uh, Black Label Society, today your top ten. If you have an idea for the top ten list, reach out and let us know. You can find us on all forms of social media, at Scout Steve R. Of course, Roy, uh, the keeper of the list, at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. You should follow Roy. He will not pollute your, your feed with, like, pictures of his food or his cat or anything like that. He's not one of those kinds of people. You know, mainly he's just out there tweeting Mississippi State stuff and in our list. And you can find our great list on Spotify also at Dogmatic67. Be sure and check it out. And we appreciate your support of the top 10 list. And as always, uh, we thank our friend uh, Blair Chandler at CloseWithBlair.com. Okay, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. I love Campus Bookmart. I loved them a long time before they were a sponsor of the show. And uh, it, it kind of in the, the death throes of Bulldog Sports Radio, I picked them up as a sponsor and uh, been with me ever since. And Miss Kathy Brown says that the Boneyard is the best form of advertising they've ever had. That says a lot about us, a lot about the show, and a lot about all of you. So thank you for patronizing Campus Bookmark. And you're not doing me a favor. You're doing yourself a favor because nobody has better selection of Mississippi State merchandise than Campus Bookmark. Listen, you could buy a state shirt at a lot of places. You could, but why would you want to? Wouldn't you want to support a Starkville business? You absolutely should, whether you live up here or you don't. 
you should support a Starkville business. So that's what you get with Campus Bookmark. Not to mention, they're going to have more of those shirts to choose from. All different variety shirts, styles, colors. Miss Kathy Brown does an amazing job outfitting that store with the latest and greatest Mississippi State merchandise. If you can't make it to town to see their smelling faces, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. And that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than $75, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right, before we really get into baseball, we have got to talk about the great effort by our Mississippi State men's basketball team. Now, the ride didn't last as long as we wanted it to. And uh, I give our guys a lot of credit. There were a couple times we could have folded in that ball game against Pitt. We didn't. We had a chance to win late. We didn't. And again, three-point shooting kind of, you know, kind of is the difference for us. You know, Pitt comes out there to say, you know, we, we made some big ones early, but then they got rolling pretty good, and um, we couldn't keep pace. So we lose 60-59. to 59. In no way in my mind does this put a damper on the season. No way. No way. I think this team overachieved. When you look at the quality of the individual parts in relation to the quality of the team as a whole, I think you got to agree, man. This coaching staff, this team did a great job. And I'm not looking for moral victories, but I'll be honest with you, the fact that we even made the tournament, and we did make the tournament. I've seen some people out there, and I'm going to be honest with you, I know some of you listen to this show, but the people that always want to minimize the success of Mississippi State is that somehow we are just lucky at times. Like Anything that we do, there's always some type of caveat we have to offer. We have to apologize for our success. You people irritate me. I'm I'm just going to lay it on. You irritate me to no end. This team was not expected to make the tournament. We make the tournament play-in game, which is in the tournament. They added that to the field here just a few years ago, right? It's not some new phenomenon. They didn't just say, okay, well, let's just give Mississippi State a chance. No, we earned the right to play in this game. We didn't win. But don't sit here and excuse and explain away our success when our team and our coaches have scratched and clawed and pulled this program out of the depths of despair and given us an opportunity to hang another banner. Yes, it's an also-ran honorable mention type deal because we made the tournament. But don't sit here and try to explain a way to sound cute to your old Miss friends. Oh, well, we made a play-in game. Hey, you know what? They made a coaching change. One of the worst teams in the conference. Why do we care what they think? We made the tournament, and we lost our tournament game. You don't have to apologize for that. You don't have to explain that away. You don't have to tell like, well, you know, it was just playing game. Nah. Who are you trying to impress, man? Be proud to be a Mississippi State Bulldog. Be proud of the effort these coaches and players exhibited this year, and be proud of the fact that the best is yet to come. I wanted to win the game, too. But I wasn't going to sit here and say, well, you know, we didn't deserve it. Or we don't deserve to be included in the tournament. We did deserve it. And the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee felt we were worthy of the tournament, and we made it. So don't sit here and say that we didn't. Well, in my mind, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter. It's not going to change anything. We're not going to go pull the banner down next year because you don't agree with it. 
Oh, well, Steve, it's just like Ole Miss. No, it's not. It's absolutely not like Ole Miss. We made the NCAA tournament. So stop. You're irritating the rest of us. Stupid, man. All right. So let's get in this ball game here. I get fired up about that kind of stuff, man. I get honest to goodness, man. Honest to goodness. And I've said this on the show before. And to, to each of you that have, have daughters, please, for the love of all that is holy, please do your best to ensure that your daughters marry positive Mississippi State fans because we're trying to breed the negative gene out of this fan base going forward. We want to expect more. We want to do more. So please, 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 I don't care how much money they make. I don't care how cute they are. If they got a bad attitude about Mississippi State, please don't let your daughters marry those people. Please. All right. Federico, Federico didn't play for Pitt, and I thought when they announced that, we knew he wasn't going to be 100%. I thought, you know what? We ought to be okay. This will be good for us. They really stepped it up. Give them credit. They got it done. Nellie Cummings played all 40 minutes. 15 points for him. Greg Elliott, 13 points for him. You know, they got they had four starters played 37 minutes or more. That's good. They wanted it. I mean, I give them credit. I'm not going to sit here and say they wanted it more than we did. They didn't. They just happened to make one more shot. Deshaun Davis led the Bulldogs at 15 points in the ballgame, pulled down one rebound. I thought he was absolutely magical at times. Shaquille Moore, 14 points. Of course, he knocked down a couple big threes early, just two of seven. You know, we got hot early, and then we couldn't, we couldn't throw it in the ocean later. Tolu, 13 and eight. DJ Jeffries, I'll just go ahead and say it. Maybe his best game in a uniform. I know he didn't fill up the basket, but he played 38 minutes, pulled down 13 rebounds, did not commit a personal foul, and, and more times than not drew a very tough defensive assignment, didn't turn the basketball over, had a block and nine points. That's a stat line you can live with. That's a guy that wants to keep winning. Cameron Matthews did not have a good last two weeks of the season. Not exactly sure what's up with him. Maybe he's not 100%. 19 minutes, pulled down seven boards, did get in some foul trouble. Uh, just a couple points. He has not scored much. We don't need Cameron to score a lot. Anything we get is kind of a bonus, but uh, we, we did not get – maybe the offensive contribution we were hoping to get from Cam down a stretch this year. And that's not a criticism of him. I'm sure he'll take it the same. But, again, I don't know his health situation. You know, maybe he's just worn out. Uh, Tyler Stevenson comes in, plays 15 minutes for us. Will McNair, 11. But uh, 59 points. And, man, I tell you, that the, we had a chance to fold late, and we didn't. We had a chance to say, you know what, this is it. It's been a good year. Let's go to the house. We'll get our T-shirts, and we're done. But, uh, you know, you look up late in this volume, it's back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And uh, just under the nine-minute mark, you know, State is up a point. We're hanging in there, right? And then the lead just continues to trade hands back and forth. We get down to the final four minutes, which has been a problem for us in past, years past. And they, they're up three. The next thing you know, Blake Henson, former Ole Miss player, Rams home at three to put them up six with three minutes to go. We call a timeout. Sub some guys out here. We miss a layup, and they get off and then miss a three-point basket, pull down an offensive rebound, and miss another. We get Tolo on the other end, and now it's a four-point game with two minutes to play. They miss a three. They're, they're going for the kill shot here. 
Not able to get it done. DJ Jeffries makes a three-point basket with just over a minute to play to make it a one-point game. And then State takes a lead with 32 seconds to go. You thought that might have been it. And then Jamarius Burton puts him back out in front. We have a chance late. Tolu misses. We get an offensive rebound and uh, have a chance to run the little play. We get Shaquille Moore wide open on a look. Incredible chalkboard work here from Chris Jans. And then we get a chance to put it back up, and we can't. So we had three shots at the basket in the final 10 seconds, and we couldn't get a shot to fall. And we lose by one. Could be a different conversation today. I'm not going to sit here and talk poorly of this team, or this effort, this coaching staff, these players. They gave us everything they had. And I think Chris Jans got more out of this roster than perhaps anybody in the country. You've seen the numbers, right? Mississippi State, the worst in the country in three-point shooting. We make the tournament. Insanity, man. And we had a chance to keep going. And we did. And I hate it. I hate it for our kids. I do. I'm happy they had the opportunity to go play. And I'm sorry that it ended in just one game. Because you start looking at that bracket and you start thinking, you know what, hey, you know, you win this one, maybe you can get Iowa State. But, uh, you know, for me, the men's tournament is now over. You know, I don't know that I'll watch even the finals. I, I love the first week of the tournament just because there's so many upsets. And we saw with Furman, you know, beating Virginia today. I love the chaos the tournament brings because, you know, sometimes – remember when Coppin State made the Sweet 16 a couple years ago or a few, several years ago? Now I'm getting old. There's always some Cinderella story to pop. So Val, Valpo, right? You know, the, the, the Bryce Drew pacer play, incredible moment, one of the best buzzer beaters in the history of the NCAA. And, of course, it happened to be against our arch rivals, which makes it even sweeter. But we love all that. We love chaos. We love the mid-major upset when it's not our team. But, uh, you know, my emotional investment in NCAA tournament ends when Mississippi State's no longer in. I mean, yeah, I'll put it on when I'm working. But, um, you know, I don't get emotionally invested in those games. Some of you, it's what you live for. And congratulations to you. I mean, we all have different interests, right? I mean, I'm not, not saying anything negative about it. But when my rooting interest leaves the NCAA tournament, um, I, I go full baseball mode. I, I do. And uh, maybe you disagree. And, and that's okay, too. I love you just the same. I hope you love me back. But I'm very, very proud of our team. And uh, you know, Paul Jones is kind of watching the portal traffic right now. We do expect State to add a couple of guys in the portal. we got to get some shooters. And, of course, you know, Josh Hubbard, of course, uh, a bit of a volume shooter, but you don't score that many points on accident. I'm eager to see what he can do in the framework of this offense and see how Chris Jans wants to utilize him. But there will be some new faces. Uh, Paul seems to think there may be a chance you get some guys back that maybe we thought were gone. Maybe that's an NIL package. I don't know. But I know that uh, there is a possibility of some, maybe some players that you thought may not be back, possibly could be back next year. And uh, Paul will keep you up to date on all of that information over on our website, jeanspage.com, the 247 Sports Affiliate Mississippi State. And uh, we do have a, a message board dedicated just to basketball. So if you're one of those people that kind of, you're a March Madness guy, you know, or gal, uh, there's, there's, some, there's some blue blood fans, like people that love college basketball, that uh, do a great job kind of keeping, keeping the conversation going over there. Come be a part of that. Uh, you'll be glad that you did. And again, disappointed the ride ended, but man, there are a lot of people that saw their season end 
without having a chance to play an NCAA tournament game. And uh, fortunately, we're one of those. Yes, we, did, we didn't win a championship, but we did achieve something that many people thought was impossible this year with kind of a thrown-together roster and a first-year coaching staff. And it says a lot about our staff and the trajectory of this program that we could make it in year one under Chris Chance. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. I've told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville now, I would move to Portico. I think you should too. Uh, Here's the deal with Portico. It's a great group of developers bringing this great residential development to Starkville. Phase one is completely sold out. Phase two, under development now. Some of those homes are already sold, but there's room for you. And maybe if you're not looking to make a move just yet, you can pick out your housing plan and your lot and have some say in how that home is built. You can get a four-bedroom, four-bath home, or you can get a two-bedroom, two-bath home, and really anything in between. They can do a custom build for you. If you need an office, a lot of people working remotely these days, they can accommodate you. Give our friend Brooks Bryan a call at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601 416 8075 to get more information. A lot of people have dreamed of having a place in Starkville, whether it's your primary residence or not. Maybe it's a second home, future retirement home. Either way, they can accommodate you at Portico. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. What could be better than that? Make Portico your next move. Okay. SEC play got underway tonight. Uh, Some surprising scores to some. Florida. Shuts out Alabama 3-0. Alabama held it as one hit. I told you guys beginning of the year, I thought Alabama was kind of fool's gold. They played a very soft non-conference schedule, and then their one hit tonight. Not a good night. Zero, right? Zero run scored. And uh, looking at Alabama pitching just struck out six hitters. That's a lot of balls put in play. Florida threw Sproat tonight, and it seems like he's been there forever. 11 Ks, two walks, and of course allows the one hit, goes to the complete nine. So the Florida bullpen in great shape heading into the rest of the weekend. So congratulations to the Florida Gators as they get SEC win number one. And I think Alabama ranked 24th in the polls with a 16-3 and record. Uh, you're going to see them drop out and continue to drop now that SEC play is here. We need them to win a game or two for us uh, along the way, though, to kind of help us out a little bit. Vanderbilt all over Ole Miss. Absolutely all over Ole Miss. And uh, the first team to be 10-run ruled with the new rule in place are your Ole Miss Rebels. The game only goes eight innings as Vanderbilt scores six in the bottom of the eighth. Absolutely blisters Ole Miss pitching tonight. Uh, Jack Doherty, some people have been really high on him. I am not. I think he is another that has kind of been a big part of the Ole Miss hype machine, though he did have some good innings down the stretch last year. Four innings pitch allows 11 hits. He's not missing many bats. Vanderbilt is not a great offensive team. That is not a good sign if you're an Ole Miss fan. It is just one ball game. But uh, six runs, no walks either. It wasn't like he got out there and walked the ballpark. He just got hit all over the yard. Uh, just four Ks for him. Gave up a couple home runs. And uh, four Ole Miss pitchers used. A couple of those guys should be able to come back. You know, of course, they, you, you only play in eight innings. So, you know, you, you save some time. Morrell is probably the only other guy that's probably wasted for the weekend. 
Uh, Kimbrell goes one-third of an inning. But every Ole Miss pitcher gave up at least two runs tonight. 12-2, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's Friday night guy goes six innings, six hits, two runs, five Ks, no walks. Face 24 batters. And then Cunningham comes out and gets the last two innings, just uh, one hit. So Ole Miss, uh, seven hits tonight and uh, two runs. But uh, certainly an interesting ball game, to say the least. Oh, Vanderbilt jumps out to 2 nothing lead. Ole Miss ties it in the top of third. And the rest of the game, it's, a, it's all Vanderbilt. Three in the fourth, one in the fifth. Nobody scores in the sixth or seventh. And then six in the final frame. 12-2, Vanderbilt. 17 hits on the night. Ole Miss also committed four errors to kind of aid in their own demise. But uh, I liked Ole Miss to win this series, to be quite honest with you, because I didn't think Vandy could score. I shared that with you guys earlier this week. And then you see a loud win like this, and you think, well, you know, maybe we're misjudging Vanderbilt. I don't think that Vanderbilt is what they have been, but they certainly were tonight. So game two in those series will get underway uh, tomorrow. Everybody else gets started tomorrow. As you guys are well aware, we're going to recap a couple ball games and we'll look ahead to Kentucky. But uh, Tennessee is at Missouri to open SEC play. Auburn's at Arkansas, South Carolina at Georgia. State is at Kentucky. Of course, Alabama's at Florida. LSU's at A&M. Ole Miss at Vanderbilt. I give you my picks here. I like, of course, Tennessee to beat Missouri. The Missouri has been a much better team. I won't be surprised if Missouri takes a game. And that'd be big. Auburn's at Arkansas. Auburn, you know, will pitch it well. I don't know if they can score. And Arkansas is so tough at Bomb Walker. They're so tough there. It's a very, probably the most difficult environment to play in outside of Duty Noble Field. South Carolina is at Georgia. I'm not really sold on South Carolina, though I do think they're a bit intriguing. I won't be surprised if Georgia wins a series, but we're going to take the Gamecocks here, probably a Church League softball game quality score on Sunday. I do like State to take the series of Kentucky. I think it's a 2-1 deal, but Kentucky has flipped that roster. It's going to be a much different team than we saw uh, here a couple years ago back in 2021. But Nick Mangione, you know Nick. Nick's going to pull out all the stops, probably be a lot of you trip, trip, delayed steals and things of that nature. Alabama, of course, drops uh, this one. I, I like Florida to sweep a series. I think Florida not only wins it, I think they take all three games. I think Florida's pitching against this Alabama offense is probably – a little bit weighted in the Gators' direction. LSU's at A&M. We really need A&M to get a game, but uh, LSU should take the series. Again, I thought Ole Miss would take the series, but I didn't expect them to lose like this. I do think Ole Miss will respond tomorrow. I don't think Ole Miss is going to win a lot of Sunday games, though. Anybody that has a third starter, I think, is going to give Ole Miss some trouble. So I don't think Ole Miss is going to be a matchup on the mound. Uh, so that's who I see the picks, but um, – before we get into our Kentucky preview, let's take a quick look back at the two ball games uh, in Biloxi. Many of you were there. And again, congratulations to everybody that turned out and were a part of that. I think it's big for state's recruiting efforts to take the show on the road. Bulldogs now 13-5 and five and have won seven in a row. Kentucky's won 11. Now, granted, I think state's played a more difficult non-conference schedule. But, uh, you know, winning becomes one of those deals where you start expecting to win. Like it's a manifest destiny, Right. We're going to find a way to win. Great teams figured that out. All right, so Bulldogs open up against Nichols on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, we got in, we kind of put ourselves in a little bit of trouble. Bradley Lofton, in the first inning, really didn't do a great job here spotting up here. He walks three in the first inning, but we don't allow anybody to score because with the bases loaded, 
uh, we're able to get a K swinging and then a fly out to left. And so we kind of navigate through some drama there. Bottom of one, State comes right out there and goes to work. Amani Larry walks and it takes second. Ledbetter walks. And then Bryce Chance gets a bunt down and beats it out to load the bases. So State's loaded the bases now with nobody out. Hancock flies out to left. RBI sack fly makes it one nothing. And for some reason, they waste moments of our precious lives that we'll never get back reviewing to see if Larry left early. It was really stupid. Uh, Chance then uh, goes to second and led better to third on a wild pitch. And Ross Highfield grounds out to the right side, gets a run home. Good job of hitting here. It won't do much in the box score, but it does help on the scoreboard. And then Hunter Hines hit one to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And from there, you know, Clark doubles and uh, Forsyth walks and then uh, – David Mershon grounds out here. But four runs for State in the bottom of one. Much better ending for Lofton here in the second, though we did have some traffic on the bases. We get a K looking, we walk a guy, and then there is an infield single, and then we strike out, strike out. So we strike out the side around a couple of base runners. So Lofton, again, kind of pitches himself into trouble and then gets himself out. Bottom of second, State expands the lead. Larry's hit by the pitch again. Uh, it seems like that's become a common theme with him. I don't know what the deal is there, but he is. it seems at least once a game he gets hit by the pitch. He's still second again. Ledbetter flies out to left center, and then Larry steals third. So two stolen bases in the inning. Good base running helps here because Bryce Chance and singles through the left side, and Larry comes in to score. So you get the one base hit here, and uh, you're able to, to bring a runner around. And then Bryce Chance still second. Hancock walks, and they, they decide to make a pitching change here. And then Ross Highfield, good at bad here, allows the runners to move up. But uh, we strike out swinging. First base is occupied. He can't take it. And then Hunter Hines pops up on the very first pitch. Five at the ball game now after two. Uh, Nichols in the third. Uh, Edgar Alvarez, who I thought watching him, that guy, he's, he's kind of toolsy. You know, for Nichols, it makes you wonder how he ended up at Nichols State. But uh, he, he hits a tank to right. We walk Felix, and then Kane reaches on a throwing error by the third baseman. Pretty rough. Pretty rough segment here by Mershon. But we get Kendrick to strike out. We get a ground out here. The run scores. Now it's 5-2. And then Turnage grounds out to third. Mershon made it look pretty easy. I believe that was his last defensive play at a ball game. All right, now it's 5-2. State gets one of those runs back. And, again, we're being opportunistic here. Kellum Clark, very mature at bat here, gets ahead 3-0. The count runs full. He fouls off a couple pitches and earns a base on balls. Lane Forsyth then lines out to right field. We put Aaron Downs in, who flies out to center, and then Kellum takes second. Tags and takes second. That's become a big thing these, these last few years is tagging from first. But because of this advanced base running by Kellum Clark, we're able to get the run back. Because in Amani Larry singles back up the box, Clark comes around to score. It's not going to happen if he's at first base. Led better than walks, and then Bryce Chance grounds out the short. But it's a 6-2 ball game. Uh, top of four, Lofton still in here. And again, some traffic on the bases, but we're able to navigate around it. Uh, Toops grounds out the first. We get Kato swinging, leadoff hitter. And then we walk Washington. Two out walks are satanic. Edgar Alvarez and singles back out the middle. Runners on the corner, and we get Felix to ground out. But again, traffic on the bases. And uh, Lofton walks six. Total, that's still too many. I mean, he leads the team with over 20 walks. And the kid's got a ton of talent. And once he kind of learns to – he wanted to miss low, but he misses way too much. And that'll get better. All right, so um, 
Hancock walks and then Highfield strikes out and Hines, another tank here, makes it a two. Then Clark walks again, takes second on a wild pitch. Forsyth and singles off the pitcher. They decided to go ahead and pull the pitcher there. Forsyth still second then as runners are on the corners. And then Slate Offord grounds out to third. The run scores. Kellum comes in. Again, good base running here from Kellum Clark. Larry walks and Ledbetter fouls outside of third. But it's a 9-2 ball game. And at this point, everybody was just kind of ready to relax and enjoy the rest of the game. Uh, we bring in uh, Sierra, and again, in a 9-2 ball game, I want the guy throwing strikes, right? Pound the zone, he gives up a single, and then a home run, makes it 9-4. We come right back, get a case swinging, a ground out to short, and a pop out to short. So we do, we give up two runs there. You can kind of live with some of that, because I don't want a reliever to come in with a big lead and start walking people. Pound the zone, if they hit their way on, they hit their way on. Our bottom of five state is kept off the board here, but Hyzak single through the left side, still second. Hancock then grounds out the short, sends Hyzak to third. We've got a chance to get a run home here. We don't. Highfield K swinging and Hines grounds out to the pitcher. 9-4, top of six. We bring in uh, Brock Tapper, who's been great. Get a single to center, a single uh, to first, and now all of a sudden there's two men on. We get a K of Alvarez, who had been a thorn in our side. Felix and singles to left, and then uh, Hyzak throws him out at the plate. Big-time throw, great tag at the plate. King then grounds out. It's a 9-4 ball game. So while we, ha- again, had some traffic here, we're able to make the plays. Bottom of six, they goes 1-2-3. Top of seven, they go 1-2-3. Very good inning for Sierra. Bottom of seven, state tax on a little bit more here. Larry lines out to third. Led better than homers, and people suggest that his home run actually carried farther than Hunter Hines. Maybe he did. Isaac Hayes swinging on a full count. Hancock then walks again, and Highfield flies out to left. This was a 10-4 ball game. Uh, Casey Hunt comes in in the eighth, gets a 1-2-3 inning here. That was nice to see. Uh, bottom of eight, State, again, continues to do what good teams do, and that's score. Hines walks, so it's a leadoff walk, and then uh, uh, DJ comes in, pinch hits for Kellum Clark, and, and just murders the ball in the left field. And Lane Forsyth singles to left center. Bases are loaded now. And Slate offered grounds into double play. The run scores. No RBI on the play because of the double play, but the run does score there. And then Will Hull pinch hits for Larry and nearly pokes one out of there. Kellum Clark, Lane Forsyth, and Will Hull all nearly hit home runs. All three of them double off the wall there. Uh, Dakota scores, makes it 12 forward, and Ledbetter K's swinging. All right, top of nine. Casey's back out there. Ground out the short. And then there is a... Um, Ground out, you know, one of those crazy things where it goes off of Casey's glove, rolls to Larry, he throws to first. So it's your typical 1-4-3 put out. Kane and singles to right center. Kendrick singles to center field. But, again, I'm not upset about this because Casey's throwing strikes. With an eight-run lead, you just go out there and pound his zone, and we get Crosby to strike out swinging in the ball game. So State wins. And, uh, listen, Nichols, listen, they're not going to have the same talent as us, but this is a team that's won some ball games. The only series they've lost, of course, Louisiana Tech. And State now ups their record to 11-1, all-time against the Colonels of Nichols State. Uh, look at the State box score. Hunter Hines, of course, two for four with a couple big tanks there. It's always fun. Bryce Chance also had a pair of hits. Lane Forsythe, two for four. Uh, this, this may become a Lane Forsythe fan show because Lane has been so incredibly criticized by our fans, and all he's done has gotten better. And it's got nothing to do with your level of criticism. Kid's just working hard, doing a good job. Happy for him. Come back on Wednesday. Let me double-check its attendance, too. I didn't get the official attendance back then. But 5,684 see the ballgame on Tuesday. 
On Wednesday, 5,816, so an even bigger crowd on Wednesday. Many of you skipped prayer meeting to come to the game, so thank you. All right, uh, so uh, this is a pitcher's duel for a while, and Colby Holcomb gets a start for us and was outstanding. He'd had six previous appearances, some good, some bad. He was outstanding. Gets a one, two, three inning in the first, including a pair of looking Ks. Uh, bottom of one, State gets a one-out walk but can't do much with it. Uh, his Ledbetter is thrown out stealing the first time this year. Top of second, uh, Rockefort singles, and then we get a fly out to right, and then we, we throw Rockefort out at second, and uh, he actually slides off the bag and Lane tags him, asks for the review, and the call is reversed. And then Zambo strikes out swinging. Bottom of two, State goes one, two, three. Uh, top of third, we give up a leadoff single, and then from there, you know, Holcomb just kind of shuts him down. Uh, we get a caught stealing again, and then Wilkerson strikes out swinging. Amity pops up uh, to second base. I wonder, ask Mike Nemeth, if this Lee Amity kid, wonder if he's related to Lynn Amity, former Mississippi State offensive coordinator. All right, bottom of third, Clark fouls out, offered grounds out, Forsyth singles to center, and Larry flies out to right. So, again, good job by Forsyth kind of advancing the order here and giving the top of the order a chance to hit with the pitcher in the stretch. We just don't take advantage. All right, top of four, UL finally strikes through here, but some of this is our fault. We had a ground out to third, and it's a walk, a steal of second, a single up the middle. And, again, you walk people, that's what happens. What happens? And a pop-up a third, and then uh, we get a strikeout swinging. So, you know, you, you give them free passes. You only got to get one hit sometimes. That works for us as well as it does for them. They take a one nothing lead. Bottom of four, we get a leadoff walk here. And like we talk about all the time, leadoff walks, that's losing baseball. Bryce Chance singles to shortstop. And they could have ruled this an error. I'm glad they didn't. It was a, it was a difficult play. I think the consensus in the press box was that's a hit. Wild pitch sends both runners around, and Hancock walks again to load the bases. And then Highfield with an RBI sack fly ties the game. They make a pitching change here. Pull Hill, bring in Ray. And then Hunter Hines doubles down the right field line. I thought that ball was going off the bat. Everybody kind of had to hold up a little bit here. But uh, Hancock takes third, and then Bryce Chance scores 2-1 state. Clark fouls outside of third again. I think he's trying to go the other way a little bit too much here and then offered grounds out to second. So it's 2-1 after four, stayed in good shape here. Colby Holcomb's night is done. We bring in Tyler Davis, and it seems like the first inning for Tyler Davis is always a bit of an adventure. We don't miss a lot of bats. What that tells me is we're not getting our work done in the bullpen. We're coming out there, we're not hot. We don't, we don't have the chili hot when we take the field if it takes us a half inning to warm up. That means we've got to do a better job in the bullpen. We get Zambo to fly out, then Hood singles to third down third baseline. They pinch hit here, and it's a walk. And then another pinch hitter comes in, strikes out swinging, and then we walk Marisol here to load the bases. And, uh, again, it's damage, it's damage control here, but we get Taylor to ground out. But it, should, it doesn't have to be this way, right? It doesn't have to be this way. You come out there, you're not missing bats, and you're walking people. And uh, walked Marasek on four pitches. Just You can't do that. It's a two-out walk. I mean, again, two-out walks, satanic. But again, give Davis some credit for bearing down and getting out of it without surrendering a run. All right, bottom of five, Forsyth grounds out. Double, double from Larry there. kind of gets us going. And then Ledbutter changes places with him. He doubles, and Larry scores, makes it a 3-1 ball game. They bring in this Fluno kid who would have walked the ballpark. I didn't think we were very patient with him. 
they throw the ball in the, sack, in the center field on a pickoff attempt, sends Ledbetter to third, and you think, okay, we got a chance here getting this thing out. Instead, it's a ground ball to the shortstop, and we're going on contact here. I saw some people kind of complaining here. Uh, that's what you're going to do. You're going on contact. Um, and we get thrown out the plate, and Ledbetter kind of dances around long enough for chance to get the second. Hancock then grounds out the first unassisted. So a scoring opportunity here that kind of goes for naught. Our top of six, Davis back out there, gives up a leadoff single, but we get a ground ball, force runner at second, we get a punchy, and then a fly out to left. So much better inning for Davis there. State goes one, two, three in the sixth. We get to the seventh, and we bring in uh, Tyson Harden, who's going to be a great pitcher for Mississippi State. He comes in, gets a fly out, and then gives up a single. They pinch hit. And uh, they think it's a, a, a hit batter. It's not. They review it, and then he singles. And so now all of a sudden you've got a little trouble here. Runners on the corners. But rather than fold, Harden really kind of knuckled up here. Gets Marisak the strikeout swinging, and then ground out from Taylor. So, yes, there's traffic on the bases, but uh, they, they didn't get the ball out of the infield once they got runners on scoring, in scoring position. All right, bottom of seven, they make another pitching change. Then uh, Slade offered doubles to left. And we make them pay for that. Forsyth gets a sack bunt down. That moves Slate to third. I've never been a huge proponent of, of advancing a runner from second to third unless you have a specific play on. But in this situation, it works out. Larry then singles down the third base line, offered scores, led better than walks, put runners at first and second. And there's a ground out uh, that basically works like a bunt from Bryce Chance, moves both runners in a scoring position, and uh, Luke grounds out to second. Just We couldn't get the runners in. That, that's, again – Leaving ducks on the pond in tight ball games genuinely come home uh, to roost, but they didn't this night. Uh, top of eight, the bar singles through the left side, Ruckafort and singles. Now all of a sudden you got a little drama, right? But instead, we get Brock to strike out swinging. Zambo flies out, run tags and scores, and we bring in uh, Dom for Tyson Harden. Dome, excuse me. And we, that's, I got a middle block on that. And then he gets Hood to pop up to second. And you knew when Nate came in there, the ball game was over. Right? That's how you felt. That's how I felt, too. Bottom of eight, State goes uh, one, two, three. I guess that's not necessarily correct. Hines did single, and then we ground into a double play there. So they faced the minimum in the eighth. And then top of nine, Nate Dome back out there. We had a K looking, and we give up a double. And it wouldn't be Nate in a safe situation without somebody getting a double, it seems. And a lot of that's just challenging hitters, right? Sometimes they get you. Sometimes you get them. The next two didn't. LaFleur and Taylor both strike out to end the ball game. So State wins. Uh, Nate did not hurt himself for the weekend. He will be able to play this weekend. Uh, confirmed that with the staff following the ball game. So, you know, not a lot of offensive heroes, but Amani Larry's two for four. Hunter Hines, two for four. Uh, your, your, your RBI guys, Ross Highfield, Hunter Hines, Colton Ledbetter, Amani Larry. And, of course, it's all on top half of the order. Uh, look at the pitching side of things. Walks much better. 12 Ks to three walks. We can live with that. You know, Tyler Davis had that one ending of adventure, but outside of that, really good work by the bullpen. Tyson Harden did get hit a little bit here, but he was able to navigate through that without, without surrendering more than the one run there. And then Nate comes in, gets his second save of the year, one in the third innings, and allows just the one hit the double, three, three punch outs and four outs. That'll get it done. He only faced five hitters, only threw 18 pitches. So, yes, he will be available this weekend. Colby Holcomb also tells me, despite the fact that he threw 57 pitches uh, in the ballgame on Wednesday, that he would be good for an inning or two this weekend. 
Uh, and again, I think we saw the best of Colby Holcomb. We're beginning to see the potential and why the MLB scouts were so high on him. And again, it's just one start, okay? And uh, now maybe he's more comfortable in that role. Some guys are better off as starters than they are relievers. But the reality of it is it's a win. State has now won seven in a row. Go back to that Oklahoma game. We lose that game. We're 6-5. and five, And a lot of Bulldog fans are ready to get off the train. But the reality of it is is we knew that a break in the schedule was coming. We talked about how the schedule was a little bit different this year because, you know, we played Arizona State early and they went and played in the Fresco Classic and then had Lipscomb and these guys. So the reality of it is, is we, we had a break in the schedule. We took full advantage of it. We've won seven in a row. And some would say, but Steve, no, there's no buts. You know, Ole Miss lost to Jacksonville State this week. Vanderbilt lost to Loyola Marymount over the weekend. Alabama lost to the Columbia Lions. Okay, this is college baseball. Anything could happen. I mean, did you have Ole Miss getting 10-run rule tonight? I didn't, right? I mean, I thought you know, Ole Miss is a better team than that. Vanderbilt, just, you know, they, they took advantage of a bullpen. It's not quite ripe yet. But you start thinking about where we've come since Frisco, and you really felt like after the Cal win, like, hey, if we can continue this, and we salvage that game on Sunday – you got Valpo coming in. You 10-run rule those guys. You beat Lipscomb by six. You you squeak by them in game one of a doubleheader, and then you blast them pretty good in game three, and then you get, you know, Nichols 12-4 to four and UL 4-2, to two, but it never really felt like that UL was going to win that ballgame. It never felt that way. So seven in a row is seven in a row. You look back in hindsight, you think about, you know, we should not have lost the middle game to VMI. We shouldn't have lost that game to UL Monroe. And so, you know, let's say you flip those games and all of a sudden you start thinking you're 15-3, and three, you feel completely different about this team. Completely different. We're a good ball club. Are we great? No. Are we elite? No. Can we be great? Maybe. I don't know if we can be elite. I don't know if we've got enough consistent strike throwers. But with this offense, you're going to win some games. And you're winning games. And there's some people out there, too. We talk about people that irritate me. It's like there's some people that are rooting for us to lose so they can say, I told you so. I don't get that. Why do we need Ole Miss fans if we have some of our own that are wishing that we'll lose just so they can hang on to their own personal narrative? It's like, hey, well, I wanted to say that we stink and everybody should be fired and you should bulldoze the stadium and donate all the money to basketball, right? I mean, that's, you know, that's not helpful. But let's take a quick look at Kentucky. This is a Kentucky team. It's a much different team than uh, you saw last year. People forget Kentucky won two out of three against Tennessee last year. That's Nick Mangione, baby. That's Nick. That's Coach Minge. Just when you think they're done, they'll find a way. And I do think that he's probably coaching for his job this year. And, of course, I think they'll be patient with him. They don't have a ton of tradition there. They've won an SEC championship, and a guy named Cohen uh, led that team right, before he came here. But let's look at the schedule. You know, again, Kentucky, not a really dominant non-conference schedule, but 15-2 and two overall. He won 11 games in a row. And, again, it kind of becomes this manifest destiny. You start thinking, we're supposed to win, so we just got to keep doing the next right thing until the breaks fall our way. And that's kind of how life works. But they, they lose the opening game to Elon and bounce back and win the next two. They didn't score a ton of runs. They get Evansville in a midweek game. You know, Evansville gave Vanderbilt all they wanted in some. Kentucky gets that one. They take two out of three from Wright State. They give up 12 in the middle game. That's never good. 
they get Moorhead State. We all do. And then uh, Indiana State, they take uh, they sweep that series. Of course, beat Murray State in the midweek game. Take care of Ohio, Southern Illinois. That's a 5-4, 10-inning ball game on a Friday night. And then Southern Illinois, they get them on uh, Saturday and Sunday to sweep them. The Sunday game, a 21-3 game. And they 10-run rule Indiana. Now, Indiana, not what they have been. But any time that you can go get a Power 5 team like that, that's a big deal. It is. Let's look inside the numbers here. One thing I can tell you about Kentucky is every at bat is going to be a fight. I'm just going to, that's just, that's who Nick Mangione is, man. That's who he is. They're going to get out there. They're going to fight. They're going to foul off pitches. They're going to run your pitch count up. And you're going to look up in the fourth inning and think, my gosh, we're already at 85 pitches. That, that's what he's going to do. All right. A million Petrie, maybe Pete. I don't know where, how he pronounces it, but he's hitting 450. That's a really nice clip this time of year they have three hitters that have played 10 games or more that are hitting over 400 that's impressive i don't care who you are i don't care what you what you're about when you got guys that are getting in on base with that level of success it makes life difficult on the opponent of the regulars they have five players that are hitting 300 or better and they have one more grant smith is hitting 298 so this is a team that's going to go up there and be aggressive early in counts, and they're not going to be people that are just going to swing at stuff in the dirt. You're going to have to go out there and go right at them and compete. It's going to be a gutsy team. And again, now quality of competitions counts for something, right? And they have not played a very robust non-conference schedule. But the, however, they are a team that is going to make you earn everything. They do run the bases a little bit, too. They're very aggressive on the base paths. That, however, they're 22 of 33. So they've got some guys out there that have been a little bit reckless at times. But they're going to put pressure on you. They are. They're going to get out. They're going to run. Uh, Nick's a guy, too, that believes in, in the short game. So you're going to see some bunch. You're going to move some runners around. You're going to put pressure on the defense. But uh, RBIs are kind of stacked up pretty well, too. You know, it's not like one guy you look at and say, okay, this guy's carrying the team. That's just not the case. You know, the guy that's got the most RBIs for him is uh, Hunter Gilliam. Hitting 431, 27 rubies, three dingers. They've only hit 10 home runs as a team. And, again, they've played a lot of games at home, and some of that's going to do with the weather. And when it being cold this weekend, you poke one out of there this weekend, uh, you probably deserve an award. Not going to be a ton of home runs this weekend. And I think in many respects that favors pitching, right? That gives you – when you know the ball's not expected to travel, you don't have to be quite so fearful. You don't have to nibble as much. You can really go attack hitters. And so I think you're going to see a lot of pitch to contact. Can you imagine going out there and playing in 30-degree weather and having to hit a 95-mile-an-hour fastball aluminum bat? I mean, me either. No, these are these are grown men stepping into this environment for sure. It's going to be tough. It is, but it's going to be tough on us and them. And I think, in many respects, the fact that it's been so chilly out here, maybe it won't be quite the shock when we head up there. But uh, again, a pretty solid lineup here. And uh, you know, Nick's a guy too that's going to go kind of recruiting his image. You know, he's going to go get guys that um, you know they're they're dirt bags. They are. They're going to get out there and they're going to do they're going to do the grunt work. They're going to play good team baseball. 96 walks as a team. That's a lot of walks. And, you know, 44 hit by pitches. 
They're going to crowd the plate. It's kind of like the old John Cohen model here, right? We're going to make you work and make you work. And if you'll hit us, you'll hit us. They've only grounded into six double plays as a team. That's a pretty impressive number, even this, you know, at this point in the season. The fact that we're getting an SEC play and you've only grounded into six double plays is pretty remarkable. 155 Ks as a team and 560 at bat. So that's, it's not a great number, but it's a pretty good number. So they're not going to give you much offensively. They're going to go up there and grind out every single at bat, and they're going to make you throw strikes. And that's going to be the difference in this series is who can throw strikes. Now, Ryan Hagenau is a guy that's a former starter for them. Um, he has not started a game this year, but has done a good job uh, in relief. But uh, they got some guys, man. And Hagenau, you know, goodness, no earned runs. He's got one win in relief and uh, has allowed three hits and eight innings pitched and uh, just three walks. This is a guy we knocked around last time we saw him. For sure. But, you know, he's two years older now. So, uh, 13 Ks to three walks. Uh, looking at you know number of starts here, Zach Lee, we'll see him. ERA of 1.06, 22 Ks against three walks. Travis Smith with four starts on the year. 3.29 ERA. 15 Ks to 11 walks. That's not that's not big numbers, and that's only in 13 and, and, and two-thirds of an inning. So he's walking almost one an inning. That's not great. Uh, Tyler Bozma, four starts for him this year. Uh, 16 Ks against six walks. So they have the propensity to walk some people if you're patient. And again, outside of Zach Lee, not huge strikeout numbers. Uh, Logan Martin is a guy, too, that uh, three starts under his belt. Uh, 18 Ks, uh, six walks for him. But, uh, you know, when you, you start breaking these things down, again, this is, you know, we talk about coaches kind of recruiting and their own image. That's Nick. So, again, they've allowed 11 home runs, two triples, 18 doubles. So, 31 extra base hits against them. You know, and uh, they are a doubles machine themselves. 40 doubles as a team. Seven triples. So, you got some speed you got some guys that want to run the bases, and you got guys that want to extend hits and force you to make a defensive play, and that's kind of Minge. He is a guy that's going to put a lot of pressure on the defense. He's going to make you throw him out. And maybe that's one of the reasons I like him so much. You know, I like coaches that are aggressive. It's like, okay, we're not always going to make the safe baseball play. We're going to force you to make the great baseball play. And chances are the odds are in our favor. When that happens, when we put pressure on the defense and you force that right fielder to throw a ball in a line at third base, how many times a game is he going to be able to do that? Right? And so I like it. I think State's going to have to go up there and play our best baseball of the week of the, of the season. I do think that State, if we don't go up there and walk the, bull, walk the ballpark, I think we win the series. If we win Friday, and I think you got a good chance to win Friday, you go up there and you win Friday, I think it could be an awfully interesting one. I, if I had to pick it today, I got State losing Friday, winning Saturday, Sunday. I had State winning Sunday, for sure. But you start working through this thing, you start wondering here, you know, hey, you know, how is Gerangelo Sanchi from Curacao by way of Miami, Florida, going to handle 30 to 40 
degree temperatures. How's he going to handle that? Is, is he acclimated to that? I would say probably not. Now, what's interesting, too, attendance has not been great at Kentucky. Now, maybe by Kentucky standards, it has been. But, you know, the biggest crowd they have had this year was against uh, Indiana State. They had 2,128 fans turn out for that game. That was the uh, Sunday game. Or maybe that was a Saturday game. Sunday game. Uh, so, pretty big ball game there. The day before, they had 2066, but uh, not big crowds. Uh, last weekend, in the hundreds. And so, it's not going to be maybe the atmospheres that our players are used to. We just talked about over 5,000 in each game this weekend. And it was a little chilly down there, but nothing compared to what we're going to see in Lexington. Expected to get rain again on Friday. We expect that rain to begin to uh, d- dissipate in the early afternoon hours. But uh, it's going to rain and then turn cold. Uh, let's check the, ra- the radar, excuse me, the, the forecast right now while we're here together. And again, the, you know, the, 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 the 10-day forecast, again, is the ruin of society in many respects. But uh, it is supposed to rain until around noon, on, around noon in Lexington. And then it, it's just kind of cold and, uh, and, and damp up there so it's not really weather conducive for baseball Uh, but it is supposed to be partly cloudy on saturday no chance of rain or very minimal chances of rain with a high of 54 and a low of 37 forecast has improved a little bit Uh, sunday now it's 46 a high of 46 and a low of 30 so uh, earlier today we saw they were forecast an overnight low of 19 degrees excuse me on saturday so it doesn't look to be quite as bad but, uh, again, we'll be damp and chilly air, and uh, things will warm up a little bit early next week. Matter of fact, they're going to get up in the 80s uh, middle of next week in Lexington. It would be nice if we had that this weekend. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. You can't order the weather. But uh, I do like State's chances, and this is so important. I, I think this is two, there are two teams that have all of a sudden grown accustomed to winning. So we're going to see a dogfight for nine innings each and every game. And Luke Hancock said it's going to be a war. For 27 innings, and everything can change in one inning. You got to play clean. Uh, you got to play intense. You got to be ready to go. It's SEC play, and uh, as, as Ole Miss will show, tell you tonight, you know this is a very unforgiving league. And so, when people get a chance to pound on you, they do. And you know, not to mention, I'm sure Vandy feels like they've lost a little bit of their luster here in recent years. They're trying to make a statement here and establish. And look at Nick Mingion. It's a team last year that nearly made the tournament, and probably needs to make the tournament this year in order to, to keep his job. And I think Minch, I, I like Minch. I hope that he wins, and I hope that uh, it's, I hope they start next week. You know, I hope they take the weekend off and we're able to go get a winning weekend, and then Nick and them can get hot and uh, help carry us in the RPI. But we need to be prepared, not just for the conditions, but it's a very good Kentucky team. Kind of flying under the radar a little bit. And, again, a lot of it's because of the fact that the non-conference schedule hasn't been very challenging. So you would expect an SEC team to kind of beat up on some of these teams. But that's the reason you have these games, is you want to go get people ready. You want to give them the opportunity to find some cohesiveness as a unit, settle your pitching rotation, get the lineup in order, and then get ready to roll. That's as simple as I can say it. But uh, anybody expecting a home run derby this weekend is probably going to be disappointed. One of the things that does help, though, it is a park that favors left-handed hitters. Now, the turf is going to be interesting, too. When we play it on turf, you know, the, the mound is dirt. Everything else is turf. 
but it's 335 to left, 375 to left center, 400 feet to dead center field, 365 to right center, but it's just 320 down the line and right. And maybe you've forgotten, but Kellum Clark and Luke Hancock and Hunter Hines and Colton Ledbetter are all left-handed hitters. And so this is a park in many respects that's kind of built for the left-handed power hitter. So if anybody's going to poke one out, because, you know, Hunter Hines never gets cheated, right? But if anybody's going to get it out, I think in many respects this park on a good day probably favors Mississippi State, even though Kentucky, that roster, is kind of built around playing in that stadium. I don't think it's a stadium that it should give, the dimension should give State any trouble offensively. But we're going to go out there and play well. I mean, again, it's just it's not good baseball weather. We're going to be playing against a team that's kind of used to playing under these conditions. So we'll figure it out. But uh, I won't be the least bit surprised to see Nick and them utilize the bunt, force you to play a little defense, put some pressure on the pitcher to defend his position. But if we're going out there expecting to play home run derby, we're probably coming home disappointed because the ball's just not going to carry well in that weather. But, uh, again, that never seems to slow Hunter Hines down. But, again, remember 320 down the line and right with that bevy of left-handed hitters that we have. You, and we, we have some hulks on the left-handed side. And so how they pitch us will be rather interesting. Uh, but anyway, that, that's it for today. Again, I'll be back on Saturday morning. We'll recap the ladies' game against Creighton, and we'll recap game one against Kentucky. And we'll begin to kind of look ahead uh, to the rest of the weekend. So we'll get up Saturday morning and record that show. I will be nice and warm at a uh, hotel. We were planning to camp. And even though the forecast has improved a little bit, I'm not canceling those plans to go camp uh, in freezing temperatures. Thought it would be a fun experience to go camp at the uh, horse park up there. I'm sure it would be. But uh, not under these conditions. So we'll do that some other time. Looking forward to getting up in Lexington and uh, enjoying some local cuisine and seeing our good friend Nick Mangione and hopefully seeing a winning weekend for your Bulldogs. Again, I think this is a, a, a great test for the Bulldogs against a team that I, don't, I really don't think they have been tested the way Mississippi State has. And so the tone setter on Friday is so incredibly important. So incredibly important. If we can come out there and get an early lead and give uh, Gerangelo a chance to kind of shove a little bit, I, I don't know if you elongate him in this weather. You know, maybe you go 90 to 100 pitches. Maybe, maybe you can get six innings out of him. But I think you win game one, you like the rest of the weekend, how it sets up for you. So I'm eager to get there. Matter of fact, I'm going to publish the show and, uh, you know, we'll have, uh, you know, get us a uh, good night drink and then go lay down. And then next time you hear from me, I'll be in Lexington, Kentucky. So we'll be on the road all day on Friday. So if you don't hear a lot from me on social media, it probably means I'm driving. I like it when the wife drives. That way I can just kind of stay on Twitter and, and kind of interact with you guys and answer questions on the message board. But uh, we'll spend the full weekend up there, get all three games in. Uh, really excited about getting up there. Wish the weather conditions would be better, uh, but the conditions are the same for them as they are for us. We just got to go up there and play the best of our ability. If you haven't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com and you can order all my sports books there. That's Flim Flam, Alpha Dog, Stark Villains, and Dogpile. I have people all the time that say, hey, I need to get Flim Flam. Where have you been? Okay, but we still got some. Okay, we still got some. You can get signed copies. Again, dogpilethebook.com. All my sports books are there. Blooms of Oleander, of course, available through Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksMillion.com, or through your local bookstore. And Stark Villains gear always available at StarkVillains.com. 
And if you're not a member of our community over at jeanspage.com, what are you doing? Come over there and be hang with the cool kids. Go sign up today, jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.